Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Back and better than ever. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests today and every day on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. But the most important guests I will have here will be you. It's a Monday, and on this show, that means hot takes, mine and yours. I'm going to start with mine, but then I want yours. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. We're doing this early today. 888-SAY-ESPN. Call me right now with your heart ta- hot takes, and I want them hot. No, no, nothing that everyone in the world can see. I want to hear hot takes from you. I want to hear opinions that you genuinely believe and are willing to back up that are going to ruffle some feathers. We're ruffling feathers today with Greeny on ESPN Radio. So 888-SAY-ESPN. Your hot takes are coming up in a moment. We will start with mine. Here's number one. The NFC East remains the worst division I have ever seen. That starts with the Cowboys, but I will get to the Eagles. And for all of you in Philadelphia who are asking for an apology because you beat Nick Mullins last night, barely, the 49ers B team, barely yesterday, you may have to wait a little longer. But we will start with the Dallas Cowboys because they stink. The Dallas Cowboys have become the most remarkable thing I've seen in football in a really long time. You know, I used to think that Stephen A. was kind of kidding. I used to think that he was doing a lot of that performance art, which he does better than anyone I've ever seen. I thought he was doing a lot of that for show. But the truth of the matter is everything he says is right. The Cowboys are the most ridiculous soap opera that I can remember seeing in the NFL in a really long time. And frankly, they're atrocious. And it's not just the defense. Now, the defense is the worst. The worst. I know the Seahawks, I think, statistically are worse than the Cowboys are. But if you just watch them play, I don't know how much worse you could possibly be than the Cowboys. Every single week, they turn the team they're playing into the Dan Marino Dolphins, into the Peyton Manning Broncos, into Brady and Randy Moss and those Patriots. Every single week, you're playing DraftKings as I do every single week, take people who are going up against Dallas. The Browns ran for 300 yards yesterday. As Rex said this morning on Get Up, what, they play three games? You rush for 300 yards? It's embarrassing. The Cowboys are getting pushed around. Their defense is soft and unaggressive and just flat terrible. Here was a little more from Rex this morning on Get Up on the terrible Dallas D. They're averaging 550 yards a game on offense. Good for you. But your defense absolutely flat-out stinks right now. You are three of the better players in the National Football League. Jalen Smith's an outstanding uh, linebacker. And, and you got Alden Smith is playing terrific. Demarcus Lawrence is a great player. This defense shouldn't be this lousy, but unfortunately they are. If you look at the play... That Odell makes that wins the game. And Rex did a great job of diagramming it for you this morning. If you that play, the terrible job that the Cowboy defense does on that play is almost impossible to believe. And again, I'll give Rex credit. And Rex, Rex Ryan is the Bill Walsh of defense. His understanding of and passion for defense is unmatched. And I will sit and talk with him both on the air and off and learn so much. But as he said today, the sideline has never missed a tackle. Odell Beckham is running up the sideline and these Cowboy defenders are taking these ridiculous angles and missing him when all anyone needs to do is push him out of bounds and they may very well win that game. 
because they had Mayfield and the Browns on their heels. There's no question about it. And Baker looked a little rattled to me because that would have been a brutal game to lose for the Browns. We'd have been opening the show talking about them if Dallas winds up coming all the way and winning that game. But Odell breaks their back, one of three touchdowns he scores yesterday, and the Cowboy defense couldn't have played that play worse. And then that leads us to Amari Cooper, who will not make that play with the game on the line. And Ryan Clark went a long way towards trying to defend him this morning on television. I didn't see it the way he saw it. I saw it more the way Orlovsky and Rex saw it. When you are the number one receiver on a team, when they paid you what they've paid you, and when the game is on the line and your team is one and two and needs to make a play, he needs to make that catch. He need, it needs at least to go after that ball. The way they play in the NFL today, you're not going to get his head taken off. It's just not the way people hit anymore. He would have gotten hit hard, but he would have made a big play and would have kept his team in the game instead of the ball being intercepted and the game being over. So that's a bad moment for him. It's a bad moment for all of them. And frankly, that offense, 502 yards, you just heard Rex say it. Congratulations. Almost none of them mattered. When that game was a game, the Cowboy offense wasn't doing anything and they were turning the ball over. Two terrible turnovers and 14 points in the first half. They're 24th in offense in the first halves of games. They fall way behind. Defenses start changing up their defensive philosophy. They play desperate, and they wind up putting together a lot of empty and meaningless yards and points in the second halves of games that they basically have no chance to win. And if it weren't for the ultimate brain cramp by the Falcons on an onside kick, the Cowboys would be 0-4 today. So that's where it begins. They're a fluke away from being winless. That said... They're still going to win that division. They're still going to win the NFC East because the Giants are terrible. The Giants, at least they play hard, which is more than you can say for the other team in their city. But they're incredibly bad. Washington is equally bad. Neither one of those teams is going to win more than four games this year, which leaves you with Philadelphia and Dallas. The Cowboys are too good to be this bad. The Eagles, I can't make up my mind why they're as bad as they are, but they are. And I was amused to see so many people in Philadelphia after they win that game last night against San Francisco, giving me the business. Greeny, I'm looking forward to your apology about what you said about the Eagles. Yes, there are no words to describe how sorry I'm. You played Nick Mullins last night. You played the 49er B team, and you barely won. The Giants beat they, they, that, those 49ers, beat the Giants last week 36 to 7. And all we did was talk about how terrible the Giants are. Nick Mullins last night almost beat the Eagles. Now, I give the Eagles credit. I think their coach did a good job this week in reinstilling that confidence in Carson Wentz. He went toe-to-toe with reporters. He called a two-point conversion to give them an 8-0 lead in the first quarter of that game to show the confidence in his offense and in his quarterback, and that's the right thing to do. But the reality of it is that was a game, every bit of game, right up to the very end. And here's what you have next after you just beat Nick Mullins. The Eagles get Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the next two weeks. The Cowboys, meanwhile, get the Giants and the Cardinals. So three weeks from now, the Cowboys will be in first place in that division. And oh, by the way, how good does the tie look right now for the Eagles? The much maligned tie. I defended Doug Peterson for that, and I was right. And here they are in first place by virtue of that tie. They might wind up in the playoffs by virtue of that tie. So I will no longer hear about how that was a mistake. But I will also not hear about how the Eagles are back because they beat Nick Mullins last night on Sunday Night Football. 
Here's another thing I was right about. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests coming up will be on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, and your hot takes are just a moment away. But here's another one I was right about. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the team to beat in the NFC. We'll see Green Bay tonight, and maybe they stay unbeaten. Seattle yesterday, a good fight with Miami, and they stayed unbeaten. And I know the Buccaneers aren't unbeaten, but they're the best team in the NFC, and they're getting better. By Thanksgiving, they will look every bit the best team in the NFC. They're down yesterday, and Tom Brady brings them back. He throws five touchdowns yesterday against what is a pretty good team. The Chargers are the best one-and-three team in the sport. And I'm very impressed with their quarterback, Herbert. The rookie looks really good. Herbert and Burrow actually both look really good. When do we see Tua? That's a whole other question. But back to Tampa, their defense, which hasn't looked as good as it should, will get better, and Brady couldn't be better. Brady, five touchdown passes yesterday. And as Orlovsky diagrammed this morning on TV, the interception, the pick six that he throws is not his fault. He did everything right. That's a terrible play. Bruce Arians needs to throw that out of the book. He should have thrown it out after week one because we yelled about it. Now he definitely better not run it again. But Brady bailed him out yesterday. Arians said it afterwards. That's a game that last year this team loses by 20 points. They don't now because they have Tampa Tom. The Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. And by Thanksgiving, that'll be obvious to everybody. All right, those are some of my hot takes. I want to save time for yours, so let's do it. It's your chance to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN is the number. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan. It's called 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. All right, Bubba, let's do this. Who's first up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line? First, we got a quick update just so you know. This just in Nick Chubb has an MCL injury. He'll go on the IR, but he'll be out several weeks, expected back at some point. Oh, that's bad, obviously, for the Browns. The good news is that they have Kareem Hunt. The initial report that I'd heard out of that game was that they thought the injury wasn't that bad. I guess if it's not season-ending, anytime it's a knee and it's not season-ending, that's reasonably good. Having Kareem Hunt obviously comes in huge. That one-two punch is a huge part of what they do. It's a tough injury. I hate to hear it. That said, Bubba, who's our first hot take today? We got Michael in Texas. Michael, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. What's your hot take? Hey, how's it going, Greeny? Uh, my hot take is uh, I think they should have, uh, the Dallas Cowboys should have kept Chris Richard as their defensive coordinator because Mike Nolan is absolutely trash. He's horrible. Like Our defense looks terrible out there. I completely agree. I completely agree. Not only are they playing badly, but they're playing in a senseless system. And and I'm telling you right now, a lot of criticism of that all over the place. You're not the only one who feels that way. They're playing passive. They're playing with no fire. I don't think that the scheme they're playing does them any good. I, I agree with you. Absolutely everything from top to bottom. And Mike Nolan has been around the block and back again, and he's a well-respected name. But right now, his defense is terrible, and I agree with you. He's part of the problem. Bubba, who's next on the Dr. Pepper call-in line? We got Brian in California. Brian, what's your hot take? Green, it must be Cowboy Day. I am a diehard fan, and Mike Nolan needs to get his tail down on the sideline instead of sitting up in the box and start having some head roll. This is the absolute worst defense I have ever seen, and I've been a Cowboy fan my whole life. I would much rather be a Jets fan right now, Greeny. Nolan's got to well, go. You went, 
You went too far. See, you were doing great, and then you went too far. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea how much better you have it than I have it right now. But I agree with the premise of the take. Dr. Pepper call in line is busy. Bubba, who's next with a hot take? We got Joe, Wisconsin. Joe in Wisconsin, hey, what's your hot take? Time, first time. The, uh, the Cowboy skit is going to continue, and Jerry Jones will wake up and not do what the Packers did and throw a talented lineup down uh, in front of Mike McCarthy for years with mediocre at best results. This will be his last year in Dallas. It'll be McCarthy's last year? Yep. Mm. I don't know. That would really be something. I have felt for a while that the, the coach that Jerry really wants there is Lincoln Riley. I was surprised that didn't happen last year. He has all, Jerry Jones has all the money in the world. The DAC thing is still yet to play itself out. I still think there are a couple of twists and turns in the Dak Prescott saga in Dallas as well. Do I think this will be McCarthy one and done? I guess if it continues like this, maybe. Overall, I don't think he'll only coach one year because I do think the schedule gets a lot easier and they will start winning some games. If they don't, then maybe you're right. Greeny with you. Hot takes continue. Dr. Pepper call in line. Bubba, who's next? Scott, Colorado. Scott in Colorado, give me a hot take. Well, I grew up a Elway fan. My dog was named Elway. Uh, I mean, I thought he could have run for, well, now I know he could have run for president considering um, what it takes to get in that seat. But at this point, I think the Broncos need to let him go. It's uh, It's been just one failure after another, it feels like. And never gaining momentum, and it's a it's a bummer what happened to Locke. But um, at the same time, there there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of strength anywhere on the team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The best thing he did, obviously, was talk Peyton Manning into coming to Denver. And you know, next thing you know, you're in two Super Bowls and you win one. So I understand there's a lot of frustration with Elway, but he is a living and civic legend. It's going to be an awful tough move to make. I will I will say quickly on Denver, let's see what they are when they have Drew Locke and Von Miller. You're missing your best defensive player and this young quarterback that everyone is so high on. He'll be back this year. Let's see what he and Jerry Judy are able to do together. I don't disagree with you. If his name was anything aside from John Elway, I don't know that he still have the job. I got time for one more. Bubba, give me one more hot take. South Carolina, Justin. Justin, give me a hot take. Hey, Greeny, my hot take is that after seeing how the Bucks have responded this year when being behind and everything else, Jameis Winston is not going to start another game in the NFL. Uh, Brady has shown mm. that he is the difference between what they had last year and what they have this year. And Jameis Winston is just not the leader, and he turns the ball over too many times, and he has shown that he is not the difference maker. Yeah, it's a good call. And, and it is it is an indictment on Jameis to at least a degree the way they turned it around. Now, the only two places that I will nitpick the take are, A, it is Tom Brady we're talking about. I mean, the comparison we're making to here is to the greatest quarterback of all time who still got a lot of magic at the age of 43. So a lot of people are going to look bad by comparison. The second is Winston is in a good situation with a really good offensive coach in Sean Payton and the opportunity to learn behind Drew Brees. And maybe, just maybe, ultimately, he winds up on the right side of that relay. And, and Brees hands him the baton at the end of this season, and Jameis tries to run with it. 
I like the take, but I don't agree with it. I don't think that's going to wind up what's going to wind up happening. I do think Winston will start games again in the NFL. I think he'll be a starter week one of next year. Excellent calls. Thank you, everybody, for that. We will do more of them as we go. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Oh, by the way, the NBA Finals continue. And just when you thought it was absolutely over, and I will confess, I absolutely did. Jimmy Butler happened last night. And folks, if you're not paying close attention to it, and I understand that these are unusual times, the NBA Finals are not supposed to be in October, and it's not supposed to be there when the, uh, all the football is going on and everything else. And, and, and so if you're not paying close enough attention to it, let me handle it for you. What you missed last night? was Jimmy Butler playing one of the greatest games in NBA Finals history. It was not only the best game of his career, but it was one of the best games you've ever seen, and it happened with his team's back square against the wall. They lose last night, and they are obviously done. Jimmy Butler wound up putting up just the third 40-point triple-double in NBA Finals history. The other two were Jerry West in 1969, In that game, West shot 48% from the floor. LeBron James had a 40-point triple-double in 2015. In that game, he shot 44% from the floor. Jimmy Butler last night had a 40-point triple-double and shot 70% from the floor. He also became just the third player in finals history to lead all players on both teams in points, rebounds, and assists. LeBron James did that twice. Shaquille O'Neal did it once, and that's it. And Jimmy Butler last night. He scored or assisted on 73 points in the game. Tied for the second most in a finals game in NBA history. Only Walt Frazier ever had more in the legend seven in 1970. That was known as the Willis Reed game. And I've been saying for years, if you listen to me, that it really wasn't the Willis Reed game. It was the Walt Frazier game. Reed limped out onto the court and made his first two shots. Walt Frazier won the championship for the Knicks that night. So that's what Jimmy Butler did last night. All he did was give you one of the great performances of all time. And still, that's not the storyline. To me, that is not the storyline. People are looking at what Butler did, and they're assuming that that's the reason the Heat won the game. The Heat scored about the same number of points that they've scored in all the games in the series. They're averaging 114, and last night they scored one. They're averaging 114. Last night they scored 115. What they didn't do was give up 130. What they did last night was play defense. They weren't stuck in that zone that was allowing the Lakers to get Anthony Davis off inside and knock down all these threes. Last night, the Lakers were taking threes by the bunches. First game in Laker history that they had more threes than twos attempted from the floor. They got away from themselves. They got silly happy with those threes, and they played sloppy. They played like a team that knew they'd won the series and thought it was over. And I can't blame them because I thought it was over too. When I heard in the middle of the day yesterday, Adebayo ruled out for game three, I figured, well, anything we need to get done for the finals, let's make sure we do it right now because Tuesday night is when it will end. And don't get me wrong. This is not a series now. Under no circumstances do I think Miami plays its way back in. If Bam plays game four tomorrow night, I still believe the Lakers win somewhat easily. LeBron will be angry and he has every right to be. He walked off the floor last night because he was disgusted with his team and himself. Because they should have put that to an end last night, and they didn't get it done. So this didn't become a series last night. It just got extended. The Lakers 
They can maybe maybe if you want to make it as simple as this, step back, tip your cap to Jimmy Butler, go out tomorrow night and play better if you're the Lakers, which I believe they will. And I believe they will put this thing away in short order. I still like the Lakers in five. All right, Dan Orlovsky is going to join me as we continue. Lots that we will get to here. And I will point out for you one team right now, one franchise that is actually in worse shape than my Jets. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Cousins in the offense victory formation at their four-yard line. Cousins takes an E, and it is over. The Texans fall to 0-4 to start the 2020 season as they lose to the Minnesota Vikings 31-23. to That was a good game yesterday. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. That was the one where Will Fuller had a touchdown in his hands but didn't hang on. And as a consequence, the Texans, as you hear, fall to 0-4. And as I bring Dan Orlovsky in on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, this was what I meant when I said there is a franchise that might be in worse shape right now than my Jets because I saw this tweet from Field Yates yesterday, Dan. The Texans are spending $255 million in cash on their roster this season more than any other team in the NFL. They owe their first and second round picks next year to the Dolphins, and they are 0-4. So I'll start the conversation with my buddy Dan Orlovsky right here. Dan, if you're Deshaun Watson, what do you think is going through your mind right now? I regret signing that contract extension a couple weeks ago. And that's a really difficult place for a player to be. I can't imagine what it was like for Deshaun Watson, knowing his family history and, and the struggles that they came from and then through and the great player he's been and the injury history that he has as well with the two knees. To have that opportunity placed in front of you and to, you know, have to weigh the decision of, do I lock myself up safely here and my family safely here, but also do I want to lock myself to a place that is ruining me and, and is wasting me? Because, and I hate saying that, but that's what's going on in Houston, Greeny. He, he is a great player that he, his talent and his competitiveness is being wasted, and it's going to be. The head coach is not a good head coach. He's got way too much power. Now he wants to blame the play calling and take more of that. The roster's weak, and they don't, they're deprived of the ability to replenish the roster. And i got to imagine Deshaun Watson is sitting there going, 
I made a mistake. Absolutely. And the people who made a mistake are the ones who gave Bill O'Brien all of that authority. Look, I I don't have anything against Bill O'Brien, and he may be a good football coach. He certainly has had success, and they've won, to his credit, they've won a lot of games there in in the scheme of things. But if you ever want to see the impact of not having a general manager, Field Yates points it all out brilliantly there. They're spending a fortune. They've traded away all their draft picks, and they stink. They're 0-4 with a great young quarterback, so that's a terrible situation. Dan Orlovsky yeah, with Greeny, me. Can I, yeah, can I hit on the can I hit on the thought of him being like a, a good coach type thing? Sure. Yeah. There, he's also had a loaded roster for a long time there. Like, the general manager, Rick Smith, had drafted some absolute studs, and, and repl- that roster was loaded. I mean, we're talking J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Jonathan Joseph, um, Dwayne Cloudy. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he had a very, very well-built roster as a coach mm-hmm. to work with. And I o- understand he overcame some quarterback injuries, but, like, he also was working with some really, really big-time players as well. Yeah, fair. And, and look, they've made the playoffs a bunch of times. Right now they're 0-4 and they're in big trouble. Orlovsky with me. All right, let me go to another situation. The Chicago Bears made a move that we, we all sort of lauded last week when, when Matt Nagy didn't waste any time, saw the opportunity to make the move to Nick Foles, and took it. Yesterday against what is a good defense in the Indianapolis Colts, um, I watched that game. I would describe it as anything but inspiring. What did you take away from it? And if you're uh, the Chicago head coach right now, what are you thinking? I think for Matt Nagy, he's still searching for answers. You know, I think that game gives him more answers than, or more questions than answers. You know, like, okay, first of all, the Bears don't have an offensive identity. Are you going to be a team that majors in trying to run the football? Are you going to be a team that tries to major in a West Coast offense and getting the ball out? Do you want to be a team that utilizes a ton of motion? Are you going to be a team that offensively tries to create matchup issues? They don't do any of this stuff consistently. It's, I often use this phrase, it's like they're just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick and then going, let's try that again. You know, and so there's a, there's a lack of philosophical identity. And then, you know, here, like watching that game, it was very boring. You know, they don't have a ton of playmakers outside of Allen Robinson. I think that there's, a, there's, this, there's this reality in Cleveland. Like they just don't have a ton, or excuse me, in Chicago, they don't have mm-hmm. a ton of playmakers. And right now it's just like, let's just try to throw the ball up Allen Robinson so you know I think Matt Nagy and I was critical of him last year with this he's got to figure out exactly like when you watch the great offenses in the NFL the really good ones on the offense in the NFL like they do a bunch of different things but you know what their philosophical identity is Baltimore's creating space Kansas City's creating matchup Green Bay's utilizing pre-snap motion to change the number count like right now Chicago's not doing anything scheme wise that you can hang your hat on as a philosophy of who you're going to be. I'm with you. I can't think of a team that could be less inspiring at three and one than the bears sit right now. Dan Orlovsky is with me. I opened today talking about the Cowboys and and so did we on get up this morning together, Dan, and sort of buried underneath the onslaught of attention to the Cowboys is the team that beat them yesterday in the Browns who now have won three straight and feel like they're rolling a little bit. Now, they get some bad news today. Nick Chubb does go on IR, but at least they have Kareem Hunt there uh, to to sort of pick up the slack for that. 
And we talked about Odell. How about Baker Mayfield? Rex was trying to make some points today about the way they used Baker Mayfield. I'd love you to only you can. The difference in the way they're using Baker Mayfield right now and why it's effective. Well, Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma was a play-action passing quarterback. And his rookie year, when things flipped, he majored in the play-action pass. Now, why does that help quarterbacks, especially a shorter one? Two reasons. One, it creates throwing lanes. When you play action pass and your offensive line moves side to side, you create throwing lanes. Quarterbacks that, are, that have a, an issue with seeing can see significantly better. And then two, the, it, when, you play, when, you, when you call a play that you turn your back to the defense as a quarterback and you're going to play fake, you don't have to know the defense before the snap because play action passing is progression-based. You turn your back to defense, make your fake, and it's, hey, it's one, two to three. You find a defender or you find a window – and see if it's open. You don't need to know if it's cover two, cover three, cover four, because it's a progression-based thing. So you play faster. You play more confident because you trust in the progression. And that's finally what Kevin Stefanski is, is kind of pounding home for Baker Mayfield, is they're utilizing that stuff. Now their offensive line has become a strength, and so running the football has become really well. But you could just watch the deliberate play from Baker Mayfield. When a quarterback plays deliberate and when he plays confident, his strengths become amplified. His strength was his accuracy, his ball placement. There is a stretch from the back end of the second quarter and into the third quarter where he has five throws in a matter of six that the ball is absolutely perfectly placed. It's not accurate. It's perfectly placed. And so, no, they're not asking him to carry the football team. But when you have a complementary offense, you need the quarterback to execute when you ask him to be good. Like in, when you call that play-action pass, I, mean, I, need you to, I need you to execute this play because then we get a first down and then I get to call more plays. That's exactly what Baker Mayfield's doing for the Browns offense. They going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I thought they would before the season. I thought that division would get three teams in. Their offense is going to continue to roll, even though the Nick Chubb injury hurts. Their offensive line green is a top-five unit in football. I can make the argument that they got three guys playing top-five football on the offensive line. Now the question is to their defense. Their defense is not very good right now. They need to get Greedy Williams back. You know, Denzel Ward's becoming one of the best corners in football, but they need Greedy Williams to come back. And, Greedy, we talked about this this morning. That they should have five interceptions yesterday against Dallas. So if their off defense just starts to play a little bit more in communicating fashion, they're, they're making the playoffs. Dan and Laura and Marcus and Mina, we'll see you 4 o'clock today for NFL Live. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Greeny. The great Dan Orlovsky with me here. Greeny, just getting rolling on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, I will tell you something that's going to happen tonight that hadn't happened in 18 years. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? 
Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Every week I give you, or every day actually, I give you a fascinating stat. And this one really jumped out at me. It's brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. The New England Patriots tonight are a 10.5-point underdog at Kansas City. Do you know the last time they were a double-digit dog was 18 years ago? It's a game you may remember. It was in the Super Bowl. It was the first Super Bowl of the Brady-Belichick era where they beat the Rams. That stunning game that ends on the Venetary field goal. They were a double-digit dog. I believe they were a 12-point underdog, and it's the first time tonight in 18 years that they have been a double-digit underdog. And I will say this. That was considered a coaching masterpiece for Bill. That would be nothing compared to what he'd be pulling off if they win tonight. The circumstances, are you aware of this? The Patriots this morning drove to the airport after going through. They woke up super early today to get all of this coronavirus testing done. They had no further positive tests. So they then had a police escort take them out to the airport where they flew to Kansas City on two separate planes. One of the planes has the players who've been around Cam Newton. The other has the players who've not been. They will arrive. They're there by now, I would imagine. They're in Kansas City. They get a little rest in the hotel. They will go to the stadium, they will play the game, they will get back on those same planes, and they will fly back to Foxborough and get there sometime in the middle of the night slash early in the morning. If they find a way in the midst of all of that with Brian Hoyer at quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes and the best team in the National Football League, that will be the biggest upset of the NFL season. Nothing else could happen. Pick the worst team in the sport, the Jets, and the best team, Kansas City. That actually is a game that's happening. The Chiefs and the Jets play a couple of weeks from now. And the spread on that will probably be, I don't know, what, what would you imagine the spread on that game will be? 20, 17, something like that. To me, I would be, if the Patriots win tonight under these circumstances with Brian Hoyer, I would be even more surprised and certainly more impressed than I would be if the Jets wind up beating them. So we'll see what happens. There are two NFL games tonight, that one and our game, the Monday night game, which start kickoff has been pushed back a little bit between uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers going up against the Atlanta Falcons. And then, of course, the NBA Finals continue. And let me give you a little straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Don't overdo LeBron James walking off the floor last night. There are two comparisons I'm seeing people make. One of them is totally unreasonable. The comparison I'm seeing people make is Greeny, I'm getting this on Twitter, Greeny, Isaiah Thomas walked off the floor 
before the end of a playoff game against the Bulls when and and everyone, you know, still talks about it all these decades later. Next time you hear someone say that, if you hear anyone make a comparison to those two things on the air, make a mental note. You don't want to listen to that person anymore. They have no idea what they're talking about. When Isaiah Thomas walked off the floor with the rest of the Bad Boys Pistons, that was the end of a series. They had been swept by a Bulls team that they were playing in the playoffs for the fourth consecutive year. It was a significant rivalry. It was a turning point. And again, the series was over. That was one thing. This is another. The other comparison you can make is to a series that LeBron and the Cavaliers lost to Paul Pierce and the Celtics some years ago before LeBron went to Miami. This is the series that sort of started a lot of the bad blood between LeBron and Paul Pierce and and those relationships between those two teams. LeBron against the Celtics. It was a hard-fought, incredibly tough seven-game series. Game seven was an extraordinary show between Pierce and LeBron. And when it was over, LeBron didn't shake anybody's hand. That one, Mike and I were very critical. That was on a Sunday afternoon, that game. And if you listen to us on Mike and Mike the following morning, both Mike and I had an issue with LeBron not shaking hands, not sticking around, and offering congratulations after that game. This is neither of those. This was a game that, had th- that, that there was a, a stoppage with almost no time left on the clock. And after game three of a series, it's now guaranteed to go at least five. So what I'm sitting here telling you is nothing should be made of LeBron walking off the floor before the game is over yesterday. Nothing. It was a non-issue. It was a non-event. The biggest event that took place in that game took place long before that. And most of them were made by Jimmy Butler. And the Lakers just hoisting up three after three after three. Falling in love with the shot that is their weakness despite how well they'd been hitting it in this series. So that was the story last night, not when they walked off the floor. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Brian Billick will join me next. The story on all the coaching challenges faced right now. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.